mildly things that hurts, right? <laughs>
me as we begin our time of worship and breathe responsively, and then we will sing, I will call upon the Lord. I called to the Lord in my distress, and I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. You, Lord, have helped and comforted me. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and delivered me from all my fears. He has delivered me from every trouble. I will call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. The Lord liveth, and blessed be my rock, and exalted be the God of the rock of my salvation.
good morning to First Baptist Church, Sun City West. It's so good to see you. I wonder if you might join me in a time of prayer, please. Father, thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to come together and worship you today. Uh, Lord, from the Bible study classes to the fellowship time, from the parking lots, cars, into the greeting area, now into this time and this place where we've gathered together to give you only our worship. And so as we sing the songs, I pray that God... It'll come from the depths of our heart. The words that roll off our tongues will not just be mere words, but, Father, meaningful as we direct them to you. God, I pray as we focus upon your word today, as we continue on in our time with the church at Philippi, that you would give us understanding. And that, God, when the time comes, and through the service as you speak to us, that during that time of invitation, that we would make the decisions to say, God, use me, help me to be adjusted. God, whatever you desire in my life and my heart, I just give myself completely to you. Use me so that I can change the world, the world that you've placed me in, the area that you have allowed my presence to be. God, I can change it for you. God, I pray that today those decisions will be made. Help us with our mind and our heart, not only to enjoy the fellowship and the joy that you give, but also the power of your spirit. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, if you're a guest today for the very first time, we'd love for you to take the guest card in the pew in front of you and fill it out in its entirety and then drop it in one of these offering boxes when you leave. We would certainly appreciate that. And right now, I want us to continue our time of worship and celebration. Thank you for being here, and let's sing to the glory of God. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it.
Good morning. Good morning. So the summer said he was glad when they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. So as we come this morning, pray with me as I pray for you and the whole entire congregation that we may have a, a joyous time worshiping the Lord together. Shall we pray? Father God, thank you so much. Thank you for your great love that you provided for us and salvation. You know the word didn't give it to us and it certainly can't take it from us. We thank you again, Father, for each blessed soul that's here today. And we have so, so much to be grateful for. How, Lord, that we're gonna grow unless we come out to worship, come out to Bible study, come out to prayer meeting, and why? come out to pray, come out to learn more about you, that we all may grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father God, we are so honored, we are grateful that you get to be part, that we are, I should say, get to be a part of your great story. Thank you for having a plan and a promise for our lives. Help us not to step back in fear, but to be able to step out in faith and do what you have called us to do. Remind us each day that we are yours and remind us that you are ours, that we belong to you. So as we go through this service today, Lord, we pray that you would get all the praise, glory, and honor. And also, Father, if there's one soul here today who don't know you in the pardon of his and her sin, Lord, we pray and hope that this would be the day of salvation. So, Father, as we continue in worshiping you, in song, in music, in prayer, Lord, and the message, be with your manservant today, Lord, as he proclaims your word. Lord, for your word is a lamp to our feet and light for our path. And so I just pray that our minds and hearts will be receptive, Father, and when we leave this place today, Lord, that we be conscious, that we be conscious and aware of your presence. So all of our steps today, in Jesus' name. For almost a hundred years, in big cities with a hundred skyscrapers and tiny towns with one stoplight, on college campuses and Native American reservations, in churches too many to count, hundreds of thousands of men and women and boys and girls have made hundreds of thousands of life-changing decisions. Almost none of them knew her name. And yet, she was there. Annie Armstrong lived more than 100 years ago. Only this one picture of her survives. History could have easily forgotten her. But Annie Armstrong is worth remembering. In the late 1800s, when most women had no voice, Annie was one of the first to speak up. First, for the urban poor in her hometown of Baltimore, and then 
for Southern Baptist missionaries around the world who desperately needed support. It was for these people that she helped start the National Women's Missionary Union. As its first executive leader, she gave women a platform in their local church and in ways that they'd never done before. These women helped focus Southern Baptist attention on the hurting and the lost and the missionaries trying to reach them. Annie wrote letters, 18,000 in just one year. And she traveled across America, encouraging missionaries and inspiring churches to pray, to give, and to act. She worked long hours, paid her own expenses, and refused to accept a salary. And in the darkest days of the Depression, right before she died, an offering was named after her. Today, the Annie Armstrong Easter Offering helps missionaries in the U.S. and Canada start new churches and meet needs through Compassion Ministries. Over the years, Southern Baptists have given more than $1 billion to that offering, and 100% of it, every penny, has gone straight to the mission field. There's still work left to do. The need is bigger than ever, and that's why even though she lived more than a century ago, and even though only one picture of her survives, Annie Armstrong's influence lives on. Because today in North America, just as it's been from the beginning, anywhere a missionary is sent, every time a new church is born, anytime someone gives to her offering so that a lost person might be found, Annie is there. Last week, as you recall, there was a prayer guide for the Week of Home Missions in your bulletin along with an offering envelope, and there are offering envelopes in the pew racks in front of you. You'll notice on the back of the bulletin today, our goal for Annie Armstrong Easter offering is $13,412. We've already received some money toward that goal, but I encourage you to prayerfully consider what God would have you give so that those missionaries can still be sharing God's love. Bind us together, bind us together with love. Let's sing.
Our scripture reading for this morning is from Philippians, chapter 2, verses 25 through 30. Please join in the reading and be blessed. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I may have less anxiety. So then, welcome him in the Lord with great joy, and honor people like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. May the Lord add his blessings to the reading of his word and give us understanding.
I hope, like me, that sent chills down your spine. Would you join me in prayer? Father, thank you so much for your amazing grace. We are mindful that we did not deserve it. It was not a reward for those who are good, but Father, it is an eternal blessing for those who are guilty. And so, Father, this morning, we just say thank you, and we love you. We ask you to speak to us, that we might become more and more like your son, Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. Many years ago, a Scottish preacher sent in a report to a... Uh, a headquarters, the Scottish headquarters, and he actually wrote more of an apology. He said, I'm really sorry, but this year we only had one that came to be saved. And that one was just a little boy. Nobody thought much about it, but that little boy began to grow. And God began to speak to that little boy who was saved and called that little boy who had become a man to be a missionary. That missionary was Robert Moffat. Robert Moffat was the one that opened Africa to the gospel of Jesus Christ. He wrote a friend years later after ministry there and he said, I can see the smoke of a thousand villages that have never heard the name of Jesus. <coughs> Robert Moffat's daughter married a man by the name of David Livingston. David Livingston spent, I think it is three decades in Africa where he was a physician, a preacher, and an explorer, investing in the work to which his father-in-law was called years before. What seemed like a non-spectacular movement of God in a little boy where the note said, I'm sorry, this is all we have. God changed a continent. Sometimes we as believers in Jesus Christ have this idea that we're not that valuable. That we just, God loves us, we know that, but we're not valuable to his kingdom, his work, or to other believers. Over the years, I've asked folks if they could do something here or there, and they say, oh, Pastor, I, I, can't, I can't do that. I, I love Jesus, but I just can't do very much. I, I can't preach. I can't sing. I, I can't play an instrument. I can't give much money. There's just very little that I can do for Jesus. My talents are meager. I go back and I look at what Jesus 
taught his disciples when they sat looking down at the temple and there were those individuals that were going through and giving their offerings with loud clinging and sounds in those beautiful ornate offering containers and there was this poor widow that gave her two cents for two coins you couldn't even hear it and Jesus said that widow has given more than all the rest of these you see everyone is valuable in the kingdom of God everyone can be used of God to give what they have to accomplish the desire that God wants the Apostle Paul you know he he shook empires for Jesus he wrote 13 books of the New Testament he preached to kings and to leaders we immediately because of his output because of the spotlight would say he is valuable to the kingdom of God but we look at this passage of scripture that Ray Jean read just a few moments ago in the second chapter of Philippians chapter verses 25 through 30 and we see a tribute that he gives it's a tribute that is special because here's the one in the spotlight spotlighting one who worked behind the scenes Epaphroditus Paul said was valuable Epaphroditus never founded a church he never preached a sermon that was preserved that we know about he never wrote a book in the New Testament and never did any of the things that people would say that is a valuable person looking from a world's vantage point he was just a gentle humble lay person on a mission trip from the church at Philippi to Rome to take some personal things to the Apostle Paul who was imprisoned there and to take care of his needs for however long he could stay and was needed Epaphroditus his desire was to honor God and to be faithful in the talent that God had given him in doing so we find that he is now memorialized in this book of the New Testament he is a valued believer not because his name is in the book but because of his actions behind the scenes with a compassionate heart to go minister to someone who was in need and I think that the same accolade can be given to any believer who has a faith and is a follower of Jesus Christ he says you are valued Although you may think of yourself as uh, a behind-the-scenes or just a common believer and, uh, and God's not going to use you in some mighty way, the reality is that, that you are valued before God 
and there are uncommon things about you because each one of us are unique and he values that as well and so each one of us should value each other and how God uses us as unique as we are so it begs the question how do you know that you're valued we know Paul obviously was valued and Paul shows that Epaphroditus was valued in his eyes and nothing could be more different than those two but I think there are four things that you can embrace this morning that will help you to understand how valued you are well, number one you have a family that loves you Paul wrote in verse 25 but I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus my brother it's an interesting term my brother um, it identifies him to a special family that both the Apostle Paul and Epaphroditus both belong to he says my brother that word literally means from the same womb Paul was saying that he and Epaphroditus are part of the same family and that family is the family of God God is the father Jesus is the elder brother and we are as believers are brothers and sisters in this family it's a special family which every common Christian belongs and is valued I love having my sister back here yeah, I love her being a part of of our family here let me tell you never in my wildest dreams that I think my sister would be a member of our church but you know my sister and I we didn't have a choice in becoming brothers and sisters it just it's just the way it was right but you you had a choice when you gave your life to Jesus Christ it changed and you became part of this great family of God and when you joined this church you became part of this very special family of God you were adopted into this family you are valued in this family when Paul calls Epaphroditus my brother it's meaningful it's meaningful because Paul was a Jew Epaphroditus was a Gentile for centuries the Jews and the Gentiles were enemies the Jews called the Gentiles dogs and the Gentiles well they returned the compliments <laughs> and although Paul was a Jew and Epaphroditus was a Gentile they were both from the same womb because when you give your life to Jesus Christ you become part of the family when Jesus's mother and brothers and sisters came to visit him someone said to him they are here and he said who is my mother who are my brothers says you are my brothers and my mother and my sister you in other words that family part of the same womb it tells us 
that we're part of a family that loves us. We're not told when Epaphroditus gave his life to Jesus Christ uh, and when he became a part of that special family, but I think there's some things that we can infer just by what we read about him. Number one, we find that Epaphroditus, uh, it's a pagan name. It means devoted to Aphrodite. Aphrodite and Venus, as the Romans called her, was the goddess of love and beauty. And I think that uh, as you look at this, uh, this pagan religion, they reveled in immorality. And I think we can infer from there that most likely his parents were devotees of Epaphroditus. And so when that little son was born, we're going to call him Epaphroditus. Devoted to a pagan god. But somewhere along the way, Epaphroditus had a life-changing experience. He met Jesus. Somewhere along the line, maybe even at Philippi, he heard a message about Jesus and his life was changed and transformed radically. No longer did he embrace paganism, but rather embraced the love of Jesus. So now, now this Gentile who had been named for a pagan goddess and this Jew who had a life-changing experience on the road to Damascus, now they were of the same room. They were of the same family. And they were brothers in Christ. And so, no matter where we come from, what parts of the, the country or the world that we make our way here to, no matter how unique each one of us is, we're part of the same family if we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You're valued. As a believer, don't ever forget that you're part of that special family and that you are loved and you're valued. Sometimes, sometimes we may not say it enough, we might not express it enough, but the reality is you are. Secondly, you have a fellowship that claims you. During World War II, the Brits uh, placed large signs at the entrance of their munitions factories. And those large signs only had five letters to it. That the letters were I-A-D-O-M. And if you were a stranger to that uh, country in that time, you probably wouldn't have a clue what in the world those letters meant. But they did because it was an abbreviation for it all depends on me. You see, it was a slogan to remind them that they were fighting for their land, they were fighting for their lives, and that victory depended upon them and their faithfulness. Sometimes, as believers in Jesus Christ, we act as though the Lord's work depends solely upon us and our soldiers' shoulders. Sometimes we think, you know what, there's nobody else out there. I'm just working myself to death because nobody else is going to get this done. And like Elijah, we can become discouraged and feel like we're the only one in the world who is concerned about the work of God's kingdom. And that is 
a burden you don't have to bear. Because it's not so. It doesn't all depend upon you. You see, there are millions of believers around the world that have a concern, <coughs> that still love Jesus, and they're serving him faithfully. Right now, there's an estimated 330 million believers in Jesus Christ who live in countries that persecute Christians because of their faith. And yet they are faithful. Millions in our country still are faithfully serving him. So know that you're not alone. You have a family. And that family comes together in fellowship and to bind their hands and their arms together to accomplish the work of God. You're part of a special, a special fellowship around the world. You may not understand all the languages, but man, I tell you what, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We're part of that something that is big and beautiful, and that fellowship should encourage us and should bless us. In verse 25, Paul says about this special fellowship that we share, he said, I, but it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. Look at this, this word. He uses the words fellow worker, and then he uses fellow soldier. What does it say? The word fellow. It means there's more than one. You don't have to carry this burden by yourself. You're part of a larger group. You're part of a fellowship that God uses, that he's gifted to accomplish the work that he desires to accomplish. Epaphroditus was blessed and strengthened by his fellowship with the Apostle Paul. And by the same token, the Apostle Paul was blessed and encouraged and strengthened during his imprisonment because of his fellowship with Epaphroditus. We need to make sure we come together and fellowship together, encourage each other. We're blessed in that way as a family and a valued member of the kingdom. The words worker and soldier, they describe both Paul and Epaphroditus, they tell us that their work for Jesus was not easy. It was dangerous and it was demanding work, even as being a worker is demanding in our work life. And like a soldier whose constant work is dangerous, always facing the enemy. You see, even in the midst of demanding work for the kingdom of God, and even in the midst of the dangerous work for the kingdom of God, as not only brothers and sisters in Christ, but fellow soldiers and, and fellow workers for the kingdom work, it helps to nerve us. It helps to encourage us. It helps to say, we can do this together. We, as you know, are on the, the flight pattern 
of Luke Air Force Base. And uh, in the mornings, I can look up and I can see these jets taking off. But what I, what I see when they are coming back in for landing is they're nearly always two of them together or there are four of them together. It's rare that one comes in by themselves. And this, this was a change that took place years ago. They were always going to have a wingman, always going to have a second one there to encourage, to watch, to make sure they're not all alone. And I want you to know, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you are not alone. You're part of a fellowship, a fellowship that loves you, that values you, no matter how demanding and no matter how dangerous the work is. We do need to know that being a committed believer in Jesus Christ is never easy. It demands the very best that we have, the very best of our thinking, the best of our talents, the best of our living, even in this season of our lives. There are so many opportunities for us to join together and to minister with compassion to people in our community and in our region. Because many of them are lost. And there are so many needs that we can come and walk beside them. But listen, in the same time, in our spiritual walk, we must stand against Satan and the world that continues to shoot those fiery darts at us. And if we're out by ourselves over here and we think like, is anything really working like Elijah after his great victory and when his life was threatened? In the midst of exhaustion, feeling like he's by himself even though he knows God walks with him and the power of God's hand was upon him, still, he ran he was discouraged and he said God I just want to die and even then God's presence and his protection and his provision was with him even in that time and he helped him to understand that it's okay I still have an assignment for you When the spiritual attacks are firm, when life gets fairly tough, whether it be whatever might attack us, and I'm talking about our health crises, our financial crises, those relationships that we have such sometimes a difficulty with, whatever it is in our season of life, you do not have to walk by yourself through it because we are part of that fellowship and we claim each other. That special fellowship in our body of Christ, it strengthens us for the demands that life has. We need the fellowship. And, and it says to you that you're valued. You have a family that loves you. you. You are part of a special fellowship that together we can accomplish the things that God wants us to as well as be encouraged by one another. And third, you're valued because you have a father that sustains you. In verse 27, Paphroditus was getting ready to head to, uh, to Rome, from, uh, from Rome to Philippi, and Paul was going to send this letter back, and in describing how sick Epaphroditus was, he said in verse 27, Indeed he was ill and almost died. 
But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Paul here refers to the mercy of God, that mercy that he had on Epaphroditus. In essence, he was saying that God is the one who divinely intervened and sustained Epaphroditus. And through that, Paul is writing to the church at Philippi and to us to say, listen, that same God is going to have mercy on you. He is going to sustain you through whatever you might face. He lovingly sustains us. Being fellow workers, fellow soldiers, brothers and sisters in Christ, he's going to sustain us, protect us, and keep us on the right track as long as we continue to look to him. Epaphroditus has been seriously ill. We're not told exactly what happened. Uh, verse 30 indicates that he nearly died. And in the midst of this, of this sickness, he was still faithful in his work to Christ. In fact, this, the scripture says that uh, in verse 30, that uh, he says, because... He almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life. This shows the commitment that Epaphroditus had. He came to minister to the Apostle Paul. And in the midst of that, for whatever circumstance, whatever was taking place, he became ill because he was working concerning the, the work of Christ, the ministry of, uh, uh, to Paul and whoever else. And he said he, he, he risked it all. And my question to you is, are you willing to risk? If you know that God is going to sustain you, which he says that he will, what are you going to risk? I look at Epaphroditus, and, and what I see is this, this man who was in Philippi, and I don't know the circumstance of how he could get the time off. <laughs> but they said, listen, we, our, our beloved Paul is in prison in Rome and we need to send some things to him we need to encourage him and and I can see that Epaphroditus raised his hand and said I'll go I'll, I'll go on that mission trip I think of Ralph back there Ralph and Mary man Ralph and Mary I don't know how many mission trips you guys have gone on through the years it's a bunch that's what Epaphroditus did he said yeah I'll go I'll go on the mission trip I'll minister to the needs of Paul Never thinking at that moment about the dangers, and yet in the midst of the dangers that he faced, almost dying, he was faithful. So he forgot about his needs, the self-denying life in the midst of that, of saying, you know what, God's desire is most important. He almost died, but, but he didn't, because God sustained him. There was more work to be done. Paul expressed in the midst of this his thanks to God. He was thanking God for sparing Epaphroditus. In fact, if you look at verse 27 very clearly, in some of the words that you see there, he broke out into a doxology. Thanking God for his mercy upon Epaphroditus. 
You know, I think each one of us could probably testify to God's mercy that he has bestowed upon us from time to time. I had a conversation this week with one of our guys, and he was just sharing how God had divinely intervened numbers of times in his life to preserve his life. If you look back, I think every one of us can find that there were times that God showed mercy. It might not have been right at the point of death for, for you. It might have been something else that he has delivered or sustained you through or a devastation in your life that he brought you through over the course of time. But he promises to do that. And he promises to continue to. He values us. Last, he says, you have a future that awaits you. After being away from Philippi for a period of time, Epaphroditus is returning home. And you notice that Paul, in this letter, says, Welcome him and the Lord with great joy and honor men like him. Epaphroditus was part of a, of a church that loved him like they loved Paul. He was on a mission trip. And here we find that Paul said, listen, when Epaphroditus comes back to you, I want you to celebrate. If he had written that in Baptist terms, he said, I want you to have a huge potluck and enjoy time together. <laughs> you see, Paul wanted them to remember, to welcome him with gladness and to value the service that he had given. They were to give him honor that was justly deserved because he risked his life for the gospel. A bright future awaited Epaphroditus on his journey heading back home. I'm sure he was so excited. He was excited to be alive and he was excited to get back and to see family. Uh, we have a couple in our church got, just got back from Colorado and I, I heard this morning just sharing about how, how they just loved being back with family and friends after being gone for a while. That's the way it is when you have family. You can't wait to be apart and to be back together. I want you to also understand that that awaits each one of us too. That bright future that awaits us. Whether it be in this life or the life to come, I want you to understand that however limited we may feel our abilities are or however humble we may feel our place of service is in the kingdom of God if we serve Jesus faithfully there is a special bright future ahead for us Paul addressed that future in 2nd Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8 that helps us to understand when he wrote the young Timothy now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also all who have longed for his appearing. Paul was not just boasting, saying, hey, this is what's going to happen when I get there, but says, listen, this is, I'm explaining what's going to happen to everybody who longs for his appearing. When you're faithful to Jesus and you continue to, to understand that you're valued and you're, you continue to love Jesus in this body of Christ and this fellowship that works together, you have something 
to look forward to. And Jesus spoke about that future in John chapter 14, verses 2 and 3, when he says, In my Father's house are many rooms. And if it were not so, I would have told you, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may be where I am. You're valued because Jesus has prepared a special place for you as faithful followers of Jesus. He doesn't leave you in the lurch wondering. He says, you got a family that loves you. You got a fellowship that claims you. You have a father that sustains you. You have a future that awaits you. You are valued. You're valued by God. You're valued in the midst of God's work. And you're valued by your brothers and sisters in Christ. So whether you are a behind-the-scenes person serving God or out in the spotlight serving God, God loves you the same, and he values you. Henry Varley said, The world has yet to see what God can do with, in, and through one who is fully and completely committed to him. Might you be that person right now? The world is yet to see what God can do with, in, and through one who is fully, completely committed to him. You might say, well, Pastor, I'm just a common, everyday Joe or Jane Christian. And God says, I can do great things through you if you will commit your life to me and let me use you right now where you are and that's why Paul could say I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because it's not us in our own power God says I just want to I, I, I've gifted you but I want to I want to use you I want to, I want to work through you and the fellowship of the believers together and just see what I can do you see what he did with Paul because Paul said in my weakness he is strong while Paul was a type A personality there was a lot of weakness there God used him powerfully and God can use you right where you are so Epaphroditus was one of those shadow followers we don't hear about much he was mentioned two times both here in the book of Philippians yeah, for Paul, he was one of those heroes. He was valued. Not only by Paul, he was valued by God. And not only by God, but by his fellow believers in Philippi. And this morning, the one thing I want you to catch is that you're special, and you're valued, and you're loved. No matter where you serve, the only thing that I ask of you is to be faithful to Jesus and engage and be involved in serving him the way he's called you and the way he's gifted you. Father, as we move into our time of invitation, I ask you very specifically that you would just speak to us where we are.
God, every single person here has heard this message from Philippians differently because it spoke to them differently. And in the midst of that, I ask that, God, your spirit would so touch each one of us that whatever adjustments we need to make or whatever commitment we need to make or whatever realization we come to about how you love us and you value us and that you put us together as brothers and sisters in Christ to honor you and to serve you, that, God, we would be faithful in our task. However that shows itself in a decision, whether private in the pew or public here at the front, God, I pray we would make that decision. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing our invitation. be seated if you would before Nancy shares our uh, our opportunities for this week um, there's some folks that uh, that flew thousands of miles to come and hear me preach today <laughs> Ryan and Elizabeth Hunt their children Abby 
and Karina and Tyler. Would you guys stand for a second? These guys are from Alaska. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank y'all so much. They actually, uh, I, uh, Ryan's father uh, lives here in Sun City West, so he, I think they were here four years ago, I think it was. So we so thank you for being here. They, they were members of our church in uh, Seattle, and uh, in fact, I married them. How many years ago was that? 23 years ago. And you guys are still going. I like that. I like that. <laughs> oh, and I tell you, four years ago, uh, Abby and Karina and Tyler were not near as tall as they are now. <laughs> they have sure grown and matured. It's so great to have you guys as uh, part of our extended family. So, Nancy, I'll turn it over to you, and uh, then if you'll turn it back to me. In both lobbies, the small lobby to my left, as well as in the main lobby, there are sign-up sheets. Men, if you are planning to be part of the mini golf this coming Thursday, you need to sign up so that we can prepare for you, and it sounds like fun. I hope you'll take advantage of that. Also, there's a sign-up for the movie, which will be on the 23rd, and the movie this month is Running the Bases. For those of you who are ball fans, I think you would certainly enjoy that. If you want to come for lunch at 12.30, there's a cost of $5. That's the reason we need you to sign up. And then the movie at one o'clock is no charge and you get popcorn and water during the movie. Tonight at 4.45, the doors will be unlocked for you who purchase tickets for the spring fling to get into the CLC. All of our tickets have been sold, but you need to bring your ticket with you tonight and come and the doors will open at 445. The kitchen team will be setting up some things on the table so we, we don't need you before 445, but if you would plan to come at that time, we would really appreciate it. Also, as I referred earlier, our goal for the Annie Armstrong Easter offering is $13,412. Please take an offering envelope if you did not get one last week or if you need another and make plans to contribute to that offering. Tomorrow at noon, the Women's Fellowship lunch will be in the CLC. You are asked to bring your lunch, but dessert will be provided. And if you've been through both lobbies, you have seen probably a lot of plastic Easter eggs. We are encouraging you to bring plastic eggs that will be used by Asante Church, one of our church partners that we are helping to, to start and they're going to be having a community egg hunt. So they need lots and lots of Easter eggs and you can participate in that. Sante is one of the four churches that we, uh, that we are helping to launch and uh, it's exciting to see what God's doing. They need 7,500 eggs. That's the plastic ones, not the real ones. The real one's kind of expensive these days. Yeah. One thing I appreciate, about Nancy is how, how she very beautifully says, don't come before 445. <laughs> you, you actually feel like, oh yeah, I, I don't need to help right now, okay. <laughs> Thank you, Nancy. Charlene, would you come please? This is Charlene Carrillo. And Charlene is coming by transfer of a letter to one of our, our sister churches in the, uh, in the area, and we're so excited to have you. You've been, uh, been attending for a while, and you just came off of a trip, right? 
Where did you go? Israel. Israel, yeah. That's pretty cool. So if you want to kind of ask her how everything went, you might do that as you uh, will go off to the side because other people want to pass you by uh, <laughs> when they welcome you. But I bet you she'd love to share, share a lot about that. It's so good to have you with us. And uh, coming from another uh, like-minded church, uh, we still vote on you. All in favor, if you'd show that by the sign aye. aye. And if you're against that, the sign no. I love our Baptist way. <laughs> Charlie, if you'll hang here. Are you part of one of our Bible study classes? Yes, I am. And which one? Okay. Bill, could you come and stand? Bye, Charlene. Thank you so much. Bill has such a snazzy tie on. He says it goes with his shirt. Well, Charlene, in just a few moments when we have our closing prayer, folks are going to come around and give you the right hand of Christian fellowship, saying two things. Number one, welcome to your church family. Number two, we're going to be praying, uh, praying for you and working beside you in these days ahead. And we look forward to that fellowship time together, okay? All right. Okay. Let's stand as we have our closing prayer by Karen Lackey. Thank you. Lord, what a blessing, what a glorious day you're giving to us. Thank you for the words that we heard from our pastor. Thank you for the wonderful music the blessings, Lord, and your spirit was here, oh, definitely. Now, as we go our ways, Lord, please watch over us while we are in our cars. There's crazy ones out there, Lord, crazy drivers. But, Lord, most of all, we want to thank you for being here with us and blessing us with your presence. In Jesus' beautiful name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Yo, you didn't want to go. We didn't even have to.